Hello, it is Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com here with another episode, and today I'm going to be talking about how do we uh, practically apply um, the I guess in the kingdom when we believe in a future kingdom and a kingdom that is to come when Jesus returns. How do you balance that with the here and now, the practical side? Um, of living, because kingdom now theology often is like the kingdom is here, we need to take it, we need to go out there, and we're like going to grow the kingdom, uh, versus waiting. And, um, well, what do you do when you're waiting? So basically, I'm going to talk about how, how to view this and how to live our lives, I guess, according to my opinion, the way I understand it. So uh, this is actually suggested by my nephew, who's like, you need to do an episode about how do we make this practical um, with the, the understanding of the future tense of the kingdom of God? And it's a great question. It's actually quite simple. That is what discipleship is all about. So Jesus came to proclaim the coming of the kingdom. And uh, many people think that that means that he was, oh, he was going to usher in. And then when the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost, that was the, that was the beginning of the kingdom. That Jesus was referring to, but that's not the case. Okay, the, the New Testament actually records that that was a down payment of the hope that is still in the future. So Pentecost is not the fulfillment of the coming kingdom; it is simply a down payment and a deposit for the future hope that we have. And if if I can actually try to find that verse here for you, if you want, Give me just a second. And I have it here. It is it is uh, Ephesians chapter one. And Paul is greeting them. He says, Paul and emissary of the Messiah Yeshua, by God's will to the saints in Ephesus, those trusting in Messiah Yeshua, grace and shalom to you from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Now, basically, let's just read this whole section, uh, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, or Yeshua the Messiah, who has blessed us in every spiritual, or with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. He chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before in him, uh, before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will, to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the removal of trespasses, in keeping with the richness of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned in Messiah. The plan of the fullness of times is to bring all things together in Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. In him we also were chosen, predestined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will, so that we who were first to put our hope in the Messiah might be for his glorious praise. After you heard the message of the truth, the good news of your salvation, and when you put your trust in him, you were sealed with the promised Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of his possession to his glorious praise. That is a very intensely packed chapter, which is completely eschatological, in which he basically tells us that you know we are blessed in Jesus, in Yeshua, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, if you will. He chose us and Messiah before the foundation of the world. In other words, we are the ones for with God, before he created the world, he chose us. This was the result. He wanted us out of this whole thing. So that's the choosing us 
before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. So his goal, in other words, his goal is to bring out sanctified ones or saints or kedushim out of the world for his own purpose. And he says that he predestined us for adoption as sons. It's an important part, uh, the adoption being... Um, being transformed into being sons of God, if you will. So Jesus is a son of God, and we will be like him. So I'm not going to say that we're God, okay? But we are part of the adoption, which is what this whole thing is about, this whole life. And he made known to us the mystery of his will. What was the mystery of his will? Um, in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned in Messiah. So the mystery of his will is what? Next verse. The plan of the fullness of times. This is the whole thing. He's summarizing it. Is to bring all things together in Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. In him we are also chosen, predestined according to his plan to keep working out all things according to the purpose of his will. Anyway, so in other words, the whole plan that God has is to bring everything together on earth and in heaven in Messiah so that God is all in all. Ultimately, Yeshua will present everything that is under him to the Father so that God will be all in all. That's spoken of another epistle. But it's basically, this is what God is up to. Okay, And then in verse 13, we heard the message of the truth. Now, what is the message of the truth? The message of the truth is is where I'm going to make my or, or my appeal to how to live in a practical view with an eschatology that has Jesus coming back in the future. And this is the practical side of it. So, why do we care and what should we do? Well, first of all is people need to hear the message of truth. Okay? We know that as preaching the good news. Well, what is the good news? The gospel. Oh, that Jesus died for our sins. We normally stop right there. We normally stop at, well, Jesus died for your sins. That's actually not really the good news. It is a part of the good news, but it's not the full part of the good news. The good news is salvation. And salvation is not only the, the cleansing of our sins and the making righteous of ourselves, but is also the redemption of the world and the redemption of us that is including the resurrection. So salvation, resurrection is included in salvation. So we are just waiting for this to happen. Uh, and for that, when we put our trust in him, we he sealed us with the promised spirit because he is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of his possession. So in other words, the full redemption of what he created, which is his possession, you know, we are sealed with a guarantee that is a promise of the things that are to come. Now, how do you live practically? Well, it's quite simple. It's called discipleship. Discipleship is what it's all about. It is, and this is unfortunately a lot of people, um, you know, today in our church we heard a message on um, worship. And it's interesting that in the Jewish concept of worship, the highest worship that you can do in Judaism is to study Torah because they look at it as God's word. And if you really love God and you really, you know, you really want to worship him, you read what he wrote, which I think is a very healthy attitude. I think what we read in the Bible and how we apply ourselves to studying the Bible, 100% is a form of worship. It shows us that we're interested in his plan. It shows him that we're interested in his message and what he's up to. So I would say study is the first thing that I would look to as one of the things that God asks of us. We are to learn of him, to know his ways. 
you know, the Bible says, uh, study to show yourself approved to God, you know, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we are to study so that we don't need to be ashamed. We know what the Bible says. We know what the plan is. We know, um, we know what God is up to, and this is all part of our identity as sons. So do you think your son, um, or would you be pleased in your son if you had a great plan with him in the middle of it and he wouldn't even know what's going on? That's a little bit how I feel about that. So study is one aspect. Second is proclaiming the good news of the coming, um, the coming salvation and that we can escape the wrath that is to come. So we need to do that. And then the other side of it is to keep ourselves pure and allow God to purify us, or that's what we call sanctification. And that is to allow God to cleanse us, to use this world to cleanse us from our fleshly carnality, if you will, and to refine our spirits so that when we receive the adoption, the full adoption, which is the resurrection from the dead, we will have a refined character that will be uh, worthy of the calling that God has for us for eternity. Because like Paul says, we will be judging angels, and we need to have some experience, and this life is our, is our uh, trial by fire, if you will. So why, how do you live in expectation yet in the reality of the kingdom? Well, see, the kingdom of heaven, there's, and we, we live by the power of the world to come. So that is evidenced by the things that will happen in that world. In other words, if people are sick, they can be healed, okay? Because there will be healing in the kingdom. In the kingdom, when it fully comes, there'll be a tree with leaves that will be for healing of the nations. So healing will be a primary function in the kingdom. Um, Secondly, food will grow in abundance. Um, And so there is a healing of the land and a healing of the earth. Those are things that God asks us to to pray for God healer land healer so that these effects can actually start now and um, you know casting devils out of people Jesus did all of this stuff if you look at what Jesus did he did all of these things which was it was showing that he is the power of the world to come in other words or he is the king of the world to come I should say the power is the spirit but he is the he is the king of the world to come so he produced if you notice he produced food from very little he multiplied it exponentially he he took chaos on the sea and he made it calm he made things flourished he turned water into wine he did all sorts of things where it showed that he was a master of the universe and these signs should follow us as well because we are not of this era we are of that era but we living in this era so those signs should follow us because we have been given a seal of the power of that age. And so around us, the effects of that age should be made manifest. So miracles should be happening. Things should be happening. Signs of the world to come should be happening. People being healed, uh, people being restored, people being resurrected, even though we know that there's an ultimate resurrection of immortality, but it still is part of the kingdom that is to come. It won't have death and things in it that we understand today. So that is how we live. That's how we apply it. We understand in the future there is a perfect that is coming. And let me just turn to that section of scripture. And that is found in, uh, let me just see here, 1 Corinthians 13. And it's basically the way of love. Um, but at the end, it, it talks about love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will pass away. Where there are tongues, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For what? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Speaking of our present situation, we don't see the full glimpse of everything yet. 
but he's speaking about the king which is to come. What, but when that which is perfect has come, that is the age that is ahead of us, then that which is partial, that's the age we're in, will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that's alluding to the reality that right now, we're as children who are learning, um, and when I became a man, is this allusion to this full adoption, okay? So we know in part now, and we're, we're like children, okay? We're learning the things of God. We're learning the ways of God, and we reason in a lot of ways like children, but I will become a man, and when I do, I'll put away childish things, and that putting away is the putting away of what we have now. This is not what God intended in its fullness. And you think I'm wrong, we'll just keep reading this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So the end of days, or the end of, the end of this is a perfect which is coming. That's the kingdom of Messiah and ultimately the eternal state. And right now I'm like a child. I'm trying to wrestle with this, trying to understand, trying to learn, trying to learn to walk, trying to become a man, if you will. And that's what this life is. And at the end of this life, I will have fully matured into what God, or graduated, if you will. I think death in some ways is kind of like a grand bar mitzvah. It's, a, it's okay, you've grown up, now you can come up here. That kind of a thing. So we become a, a man, and we are adopted, if you will, into the family in paradise. And then we can come back and be resurrected, and we'll live very different than we do now, obviously, in resurrected bodies. So... And, um, you know, I think about, you know, what is the reality? So, I mean, obviously, I was very much thinking that we need, you know, kingdom and revival and souls and harvest. And, and, and those are exceptionally important things to go out and spread the good news. But the good news includes the message of the coming kingdom, which is perfect, which is the answer to what the world has been seeking for thousands of years. And... It's simply letting them know that it's coming and that they can escape the wrath that is to come. And we are to live in light of that. So not to be too material because we know that things are passing away, but we can, we can look forward into knowing that that which is coming does not rot or waste away. What we have now is not that great. So don't con spend your lives consumed by what you have here. Spend your life being consumed about what is coming so that you have treasure on the other side. So the Bible talks about living in light of that we will be judged. So the things done in the body will be rewarded for it. And it's in, this is what the Bema Seat judgment is all about. The judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of condemnation, according to the Bible. It's a judgment of works. And I know a lot of people immediately will say red flags, works, works, works. No, it's not a talking about salvation. It's talking about rewards. Okay, so what we have done to be faithful to what God is asking of us will be rewarded with um, assets. To, for lack of a better word, there's assets that God will give us in the next life or in the next, I shouldn't say next life, but in our life in the future. Um, he will give us assets and it's directly related to how we uh, handled things now. Those are the parables that God gives in different statements. So, how do we live now? We live in some ways as though the kingdom is here 
in the sense that he has partially given us some of the elements, the power of the kingdom, the world to come, and we should be manifesting the things that are in that kingdom. But we know the fullness is yet coming. Even though we are children who are growing up into the mature beings that God wants us to be, you know, so learning is part of this whole process. And in the other, and in the other hand of it too, is warning people and letting them know that there is wrath coming, there is judgment coming, and we, you can escape this by faith in Yeshua. So anybody who looks on Him um, can be can be saved. So this is how we live in light of the messianic um, kingdom when we know it's coming. How do we live now? Well, we live as though in some ways it is here, but with the expectancy of receiving the fullness of it, and that that is our inheritance. Why are we going through what we're going through? Why are we denying our flesh? Why are we laying it down? Why are, why are we crucifying ourselves? Because we don't live for this life. We live for the next. We live for the world to come because that world is so much better. So by denying our flesh here, which produces death, okay, which ultimately just doesn't produce any happiness, and by turning aside from that and turning to the expectation of what God has in the future, and that's what repentance means. Repentance is not just walking away from something. Repentance is turning to something else. So we don't turn, we don't live to the flesh because the flesh leads to destruction and it leads to damnation. We turn away from the flesh and we walk in the way of the Spirit because that leads to life or that leads to the kingdom that is to come. And that is why we deny the body, the flesh, what it ultimately wants, because we are not living for this uh, dispensation of life. We're living for the life to come. And we're excited about it. And we tell people about it. And ultimately, we're happier here. We're more blessed here in, in many ways because we have peace and joy and the fruits of the, of the Spirit that God has given us as a deposit. And it, even though it's in part... It is so much better of a human situation than our contemporaries who do not believe, who are miserable. And this is the hope. It's like, look, we have peace. Even though things aren't going the way we want to, our spirits are being renewed. You know, even though the bodies might be wearing down or things like that, our spirits are renewed because we are maturing as we live in this world. We are maturing to become the sons of that God wants, okay, the sons and daughters, but ultimately sons. There's, I don't think there's any daughters. Um, the way I understand it, gender, as we understand it, won't be there in the in the resurrection. We will be like the angels, Jesus says. So that is called sons of God, okay? So there's sonship for all of us. And um, that just means we'll be fundamentally different, but it starts here. We are children in this phase, and we're learning as children, you know, we our children, it takes 30 years for a child to become mature, fully matured in our lifetimes. And I think it's fair to say that it probably takes 100 years or 90 years or 80 years or 70 years for a human to fully mature and to go through all the processes and things necessary to go on to the next phase. I really do believe that God ultimately... Um, in the fullness of time, it's not just about the life we live here, but I think he takes us at when we've reached our maximum potential. And we have, we're really not going to go higher as a being. That's when God takes us, I believe, but I might be wrong. That's that's fine. But ultimately, I, this life is about learning. So apply yourself to study. That is a form of worship. That's actually probably a greater form of worship 
than about anything else that I know. And that is to study and to be interested in God, to be interested in what he says, to be interested in his plans. That is showing him that you care about what he's doing. So that is my, I guess, the way I view how to be practical. When we see suffering, we pray and we intercede. When we see um, people that are going hungry, we pray for the land to be healed, and we pray for the wisdom of God to come, for the elements of the kingdom to come to satisfy those needs. And when there's people sick, we pray for healing because in the kingdom there is no sickness and death that can't be dealt with. Um, and Jesus' kingdom, there is obviously something because there's healing in the trees. In the eternal state, not so much. And of course, for us as resurrected, not so much. But that is important. We have to understand that. We have to understand that we bring the effects of the kingdom, which we will then fully enjoy. We bring those effects to earth. So in a way, we are a kingdom now in part. And I say in part because it's not the fullness of the kingdom. But it's in part. We live by the power of the kingdom, which is the spirit that we've been given, the gifts that the spirit gives. But it is only in part. The fullness is yet to come according to scripture. That's all I have for today. I hope you're blessed. And until next time, uh, shalom and God bless.